welcome to another powerful message from One Life OK. We really hope you enjoy it. Thank you for bringing your worship. I love that your worship helps my worship. That's fun. I love I love corporate worship. You can't get it at home. You can only get it here. That's why he said, don't not go to church. You're going to miss out. You need your brothers and sisters. He has told you, O oh man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you? He requires of us. Except to be just and to love and to diligently practice kindness and compassion and to walk humbly with your God, setting aside any overblown sense of importance or self-righteousness. That's a good word. It's kind of like this thing, like, when you're coming from feeling like you're a worm, you know, then to learning how much God has given you, like, you know, not to get big headed about it, you know, but to recognize how you got it and why you got it. That's called humility. So that's what we're going to talk about tonight. Some humility. It's really big to him. Humility. Jesus. Just think of that. God chose to be humble. What does that say about us? Do we get an exception? Do we get a pass? No. Especially when he's living in us. That should be the outflow of our lives. But I think... um, you know, for different reasons. Sometimes that's not fully in action. And I think in this, you know, we've been talking about the covenant of obedience. And one thing I've really been noticing is if you don't have a heart of humility, then it's really hard to be obedient because it will get filtered through what you want and what you don't want. And what humility does is humility says, you know, I don't really know myself. I trust you to be the God of my life. I don't need to be the God of my own life. But I've noticed, and I've noticed, you know, it's not just in everybody else. I've seen it in myself, okay? I've seen it in myself that, Whenever I struggle to be obedient, there was a part of my heart that was in pride. And so I think we just have to be real with where we are because we're not going to we're not going to grow and we can't be healed if we don't admit what we need healing from. And and we can't grow if we're not able to be humble with those around us and with our daddy, God. And 
I love that he set it up that he actually will not listen and partner with you in your pride. He won't do it. Have you ever been so full of pride and tried to get him to move your way? Man, I love that he doesn't budge. I love that. That makes me feel so cared for. That makes me feel so loved. Because see, what I what I was brought up in was if I heard no, that was always a maybe pretty much yeah. That's what no meant. And so then I learned I just would keep asking until I got it. And then you know what happens. Well, I was pregnant at a very young age. That's what happens. That's what happens. There's the fruit of that. I needed someone to say no, no is no, and this is why no is no, because I say it. And I love that. I love that's him. That makes me so happy because that's something that I really, I really missed growing up. You know, our kids need that in a really way, really strong way. We really need that in a very strong way. And I think if, if we always go to God expecting for him to do what we need him to do because we're his love kid, I think that's going to really mess us up. And I think that sometimes that's the approach that we take. And so I just want to correct that tonight. Yes, let's just correct that tonight, shall we? How many of us have thought, and this may be pre-one life, but it may not be. It may be post. (laughs) How many of us thought that by seeing ourselves, you know, kind of lowly, you know, kind of, you know, without him I'd be nothing, just, you know, just a just a worm. How many of us felt like that was the humble road to go on? That was what he desired. I mean, that's just what we thought, right? I love, who is that? I can't remember who, I, maybe many people have said it, but no, it was Bill. It was Bill Johnson. He, whenever someone would say, oh no, that was Jesus. He's like, well, no, Jesus be better than that. You're not that good. Yeah, it's like, come on, get real with yourself. You ain't that good. You ain't that good. But, but you know, I think that sometimes in our quest to find, to make sure God is pleased with us, we get really super hyper-focused on ourselves. You know, I used to, I used to do this. I, um, you know, I, I mentioned my childhood and how I was kind of brought up was that if something happened, I got the silent treatment. And so then in order for me to be able to talk again or, or have some form of connection, then I would have to kind of admit what I'd done wrong. And then there'd be some talking again. It wasn't deep connection talking, but it was at least talking. So that was good in my book. 
So whenever I would go approach God, I would go with, I would just think of anything wrong I'd ever done because I would think that somehow that would make sure that I was back in his good graces again. I'm sure I'm the only one that's done that, but that's been, it's been a minute since I had that, that, that frame of mind, but how many, you don't have to raise your hand, but how many of us feel like in order to get to God, we have to make sure that we're all fixed and we're all good. That he's going he's gonna to really wait to receive us fully until we have these different situations taken care of in our life. You know, they're the hidden things. Sometimes they poke out, but, you know, sometimes we try to keep them really hidden. We try and keep them way down there. Hopefully no one's going to see them until they eke out because we can't help, but they do end up eking out. But, but you know, there's this thing that, that almost feels like that's humility. Like it's humility to say, God, I did this thing. I did this thing. I did this thing. And I'm so bad and I'm so wrong. Now, don't get me wrong. There is, there is a time and a place for true repentance, but that's not true repentance. That's for you. That's not, that's not because you're saying, God, in my heart, I see that I have grieved you. And in my heart, my heart is so grieved and I'm longing for your forgiveness. This is a tool or, or a self-preservation thing that we use to enter into his courts. And it's fake. And he doesn't like it. That's all for us. None of that's for him. None of it's for him. Because, because what he says is, you know, the, the beautiful part of having a relationship with him is that we have access to him 24-7 and that there is not one thing that can keep us from the love of God. There's nothing that can keep us from the love of God. There's not, I don't know, maybe you said a cuss word. I don't know what you've done. Maybe you lied or I don't know, put, put a thing on there. There's nothing that can separate us from the love of God. And so true humility, true humility is saying, you know, I recognize that I have this thing that I've done that I need to repent for, but I'm going to step into his presence because the blood of Jesus afforded, affords me that. And I can walk up to him and I can find pleasure in his sight. It takes humility to recognize that you are in such great need of him, but you're right with him because of what he's done. But see, I think sometimes we spin our wheels because it gets a little bit mucked up that we have to do things to earn it, and then that becomes pride. It's really pride. That's all pride. Every bit of it. It's not, it's not for him, and that's not how he works. He doesn't work with the tools of the enemy. That's just for us. So I love a quote that C.S. Lewis says. He says, humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. So in a given day, you wake up, 
And how many, and once again, these are all just hypothetical questions. You don't need to participate in the hand raising. How many wake up and you're like, oh God, what is for today? I'm here. I'm here for you. Do whatever you want to do in my life. I am just here. And I just want to be used by you today. And I know you're going to use me because I know who I am. And I know who you are. Or how many do we wake up? Oh, gosh. Okay. How am I going to get through this day? Okay, God. Are people going to like me today? Okay, God. Is there anything I need to fix today with you? Okay, God. What are people thinking of me? Okay, God. Are people going to give me what I need today? Okay, God. Do they like me today? Okay. Did I do something wrong? And then that day gets spun out by thinking about how you're doing all day long. That's pride. That's pride. But there's almost this thing that if we don't do that, how will we know if we're off? Or how will we know if we're really not okay? And that's what the Holy Spirit's for. See, because whenever we do that whole thing, that actually opens the door to the demonic in our lives. And then that what that does is there's the door and it gets open. And then there's just a flood boom, 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 of everything else that we're not good at. Pride is pride. And it's not going to yield a godly result. So whenever you come to church, do you walk up those stairs thinking, here I am. I am going to see something happen in the spirit because I'm going to shift it. I am here and I'm taking my position and I am all on and nobody needs to do anything for me because I am here to do something for the community. Or do you go up the stairs Man, they didn't even say hi to me. They just looked right past me. They didn't say one thing to me. Uh, well, whenever they looked at me, they looked like they gave me a dirty look. I wonder what they're thinking. I wonder, are, are they mad at me? Did I do something? Did I do something to them? Well, I might as well not even really, you know, pray because I'm probably not going to hear anything. Because I did that stupid thing, and so I'm sure I'm not going to hear anything now because I did that, and now he's mad. What is your heart position when you come to his house to worship? One of them is humility, and one of them is pride. I'm going to let you guess which one was which. Do you all know? Are you all able to tell? I love, I'm going to read you a couple quotes from old Bill Johnson. He's fun. Old Bill. Some old Bill. Old Bill. In my own pursuit of God, I often became preoccupied with me. It was so easy to think that being constantly aware of my faults and weaknesses was humility. 
It's not. If I am the main subject, talking incessantly about my weaknesses, I have entered into the most subtle form of pride. Do I need to be talking to those people down there? Or, or Okay, perfect. Okay, just wondering. True humility is not the absence of confidence, but strength restrained. You know, it's really hard to be in a relationship with people that are so me-focused. It's really hard. Because, see, relationships are supposed to be meant with a give and take. This, this, this reciprocal type of investment. And whenever you, your part is always about what you can get, then you're unequally yoked in your relationship. And that's really hard to be in a relationship with. It's really hard. It's, it's really hard to connect with people if all they think about is how bad they are. I'm just saying it. I'm not saying it to bring condemnation. I'm just trying to say, listen, if, if that's you, I'm going to give you some keys to shift it tonight. But you can shift it. You can shift it. I have been there, so I know it. I have, I have been the person that was so concerned about, was I doing it right? Was I not doing it right? And that's just not love. It's not love to the people I'm in relationship with. It is selfish. That's just straight up what it is. We can call it any other thing, but it's pride and it's selfish. And so in relationships, in this community, we long to have a healthy community that everybody is strong, striving, powerful, and humble. In that environment, in that environment, that is rich with the movement of the Spirit. See, but, it, but if, we, if we come up to the church house and we have such a different mixture of what people are entertaining for the day, just think if we were all on the same page doing the same thing, thinking the same thing. That's really powerful. But I'm just saying, if you have relationships and if you're constantly thinking of yourself, just consider what that's like for the other people on the other side of the relationship. And you can shift it. This is a day that you can shift it. So pride is focused more on my own abilities than receiving from the one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think, you know, sometimes grace is hard to understand. Especially whenever you're punishment-minded. Grace can be really hard to understand it. It can, it can feel, it can feel like you're free-falling off a cliff. 
That's what it can feel like. It can feel like you, it's almost like you can't control it. You can't control his grace. Like he's just so full of mercy. Like he's just so full and so ready to say, listen, like all you have to do is get low and get humble. Like that's, that's all we have to do to receive his grace. That's it. Like, so, so if, so if you're struggling with being so me focused, like it's so simple, it's like, okay, 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 okay. God, listen, I know where my heart is. I know how afraid I am. It's fear. I am afraid that either I'm not going to be accepted, that I'm going to do it wrong, whatever the fear is. And then you say, I'm going to give you this fear. And I'm going to actually admit to myself and to you and to whoever else will listen that I am so in desperate need. I cannot do this by myself. I cannot do it. But as long as we hold on to the reins of being able to do it, then God's heart is not there trying to pull you out. You have to be the one that says, I am going to humbly I'm going to give myself to you. I'm going to admit that I'm wrong. I'm going to lay down my way. You have to lay down your own way. You have to lay down your own way. You know, just on the subject of of, of us that struggle with being so completely me focused. I think that it's actually a sign that you're not trusting God. That's, that's really what we're saying. Because if, cause if we trusted the Holy Spirit and if we trusted where he placed us, then there'd be a rest that came with that. There would be an internal rest that we wouldn't be constantly turning our wheels trying to check ourselves. Constantly trying to check ourselves. So that's another thing we're going to get to in a little bit. Stay tuned. Humility is strength. That's not weak. It's a reliance on the one instead of your own way. I don't know about you, but to any place that I cannot rely on myself, that is just great. I want to do it. I want to do it. Sign me up. I'm there. How about you? In 1 Peter 5 through 7, it says, In the same way, the younger ones should willingly support the leadership of the elders. In every relationship, each of you must wrap around yourself the apron of a humble servant because God resists you when you're proud but multiplies grace and favor when you are humble. I don't know about you, but I can either get resisted or I can get a lot of favor. Which you won't. Which one you won't? Resistance, favor. Which one? Which one you won't? Like it's so, okay, well. I don't know. Is it really a is it really a question or is it up for debate or is it just like okay, yes, I want to take the road of humility. So how do you take humility with God? 
how do you how do you stand in the presence of an almighty God, the maker of every single thing, the holy, pure, righteous one? How do you go before him and find acceptance? It's through humility. The only way that you got saved was because you recognized that Jesus was the only one. Somewhere along the way, we pick up these other tools that say that you can do it yourself, but you came into the kingdom through the, through the gateway of humility. But I think in religion, religion creates pride in our hearts that somehow we begin to think that it's something we can do on our own. And it's really just the enemy trying to steal our intimacy. Any way he can rob us of our intimacy, he'll do it. You know, there's some there's some signs. Well, hold on, let me let me read the scripture first. Proverbs fifteen thirty one through thirty three. It says, accepting constructive criticism. What kind? Opens your heart to the path of life. What does it do? Making And they sang about opening your hearts. Accepting constructive criticism opens your heart to the path of life, making you right at home among the wise. Refusing constructive criticism shows you have no interest in improving your life. For revelation insight only comes as you accept correction and the wisdom that it brings. The source of revelation knowledge is found as you fall down and surrender before the Lord. Don't expect to see Shekinah glory until the Lord sees your sincere humility. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Let that just, that little knife just start chiseling some stuff off you. How well do you receive criticism? How well do you receive input? You're not getting a lot of wisdom. I love that he will offend the way that he gives it to us. He does it. He offends you with it. It's a test. How well you receive it shows your level of humility. I don't know about you, but I need some wisdom in my life. I need wisdom. And if I set my life up to where I'm the only one that can tell me what I'm doing, if I'm the only one I listen to, If I'm the only one I get advice from, I am the one that's blocking myself off from the wisdom. Not only the wisdom, but this is what this scares me personally to say, don't expect to see the Shekinah glory until the Lord sees your sincere humility. That for me is, oh gosh, like, 
God, I, I want to see your glory. I want to see your glory more than anything. I don't want to miss that. I don't want to miss you pouring out all this goodness because I get stuck in my own self and my own pride and my own ways. Like, I don't want to do that. You don't want to either. But, you know, it's just a really good, it's a really good way for you to check yourself. You know, I'm going to give you some keys how to tell if you're in pride or if you're walking in humility. Because we want to know, it's like a map, right? We want to know this is where I am. So then you can know where you want to go, right? So I already mentioned that you're always considering yourself. You're me focused. The next one is you always think your ways are right. You think you know something you don't know. Mm-hmm. You know, have you have you been around people that will tell you things that and they're acting like that they know something, but then they're telling you something that you know what they're talking about and you know that's not right? It's like, ugh, you're embarrassing yourself right now and you don't even know it. You are embarrassing yourself and they don't know it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's pride. Humility says, tell me what, tell me, tell me about this. Tell me, I want to learn. What, what do you know? You, you know what? You actually even may have a doctorate in it. But you can still say, well, tell me, tell me about it. What do you think? Tell me what you know. You struggle to trust. There's another sign if you're in some pride. People are going to hurt you. There will be misunderstandings. Life gets hard. But the, to the degree that you can get humble, seek forgiveness, forgive, then your heart will stay soft, moldable, and humble. But if you don't do those things, then that continues to block you off from being able to receive the wisdom and the connection. Have you ever, being in pride, Sometimes, whenever you go to God, it can almost feel like there's like a stone wall. Like you're trying to tell him (laughs) all the ways that you're right and all the ways that everybody's wrong and all the ways you've been done wrong. And it's just like you got nothing. Just nothing, nothing, nothing. You know what my favorite line is? I feel like I'm really right, but I may be wrong. That's a good line right there. That That's a good line because at least you're giving yourself a room. So you may be, because you know, I am choleric. And so cholerics feel really strongly. That's just, we just do. So then I'll have to say, I feel really strongly, but I may be wrong. 
And then that's, it's like that opens me up to be able to hear, absolutely you're wrong. You're absolutely wrong. Yes, you are wrong. Mm -hmm. But you know, but it's like if you stand over here like I'm right, I'm right. I know I'm right. Then it's just saying, it's just blocked off. You're blocked off. You're blocked off from your people. You're blocked off from dad because he's resisting you. He is resisting you. Why do you want him to resist you? That makes you just say, oh, God, please tell me I'm wrong. I want, I want to know I'm wrong. Okay, I'll be wrong. Just I want to be wrong. If that's the issue, I will admit it. Please, I don't want to be resisted by you. I want to have an open fellowship with you. I want to have just a clear pathway that you and I just are playing in the meadow together. You're always justified on why you did what you did. Always justified. The next one, you just think people don't understand you. Nobody gets you. Nobody understands you. You're the only one. Dang it. You're the only one. That's pride. Got yourself some pride. Yep. But he continues to pour out more and more grace upon us. For it says, God resists you when you're proud, but continually pours out grace when you are humble. And I hope, I really hope that I'm encouraging you to get humble, to get low. You don't become a doormat. There's So you have these extremes. You have this extreme that is just like you're so just everything has to be your way. Everything is just blah, blah, blah. And then you've got this other extreme that's just like, I don't have any cares. I don't care. You can do anything you want. There's, there's not this either. We got to get over here where we know who we are with dad and we accept what he's done for us and we walk powerfully in that position and we are in we're in a community that we're flowing well together we accept when we're wrong we can tell each other when we're wrong and we don't do it to be over somebody we're not trying to lord over somebody we're just saying hey listen this is what's going on i was at breakfast with cheryl and aaron the other day and like, I love, like, I love having friends. Like Cheryl was able to say, hey, you got something in your nose. Perfect. Thank you for telling me that. I'm going to go handle that. Like, that's why I want friends. I need friends to say, hey, listen, you need to check your nose. You got something in it. That's good community. That is good community. It's good community whenever your people are saying, hey, you got something going on that ain't right. You want it. You want it. You want it. You do. Mm -hmm. I want real friends. I've had fake ones. Mm -hmm. Listen, I have a ton of scriptures, okay? I have a lot. I mean, like a lot. Okay, so Luke 14, 11. Remember this. Everyone with a lofty opinion of who he is and who he seeks to raise himself up will be publicly humbled. And everyone with a modest opinion of who he is and chooses to humble himself will be raised up before all. So this is the deal. You can either choose 
to be humble or you can get humiliated. You get to choose it. You get to choose it. You can either you can either choose to do it and it's like it's good. How many who else who else experienced humiliation cuz you just did something stupid? You know, you just did something stupid. Yeah, you should not have done it. You know, it's like dang. You know, but it's so much better to just say it, you know, to just be you and just be real. You got to know who you are. You've got to be real with yourself. You've got to have a good, healthy knowledge of who you are. You don't want to be a know-it-all if you don't know it all. And nobody knows it all. You don't want to be super spiritual. You don't want to act like you're better than other people. Like, whenever you choose this lower place, whenever you choose humility, that sets dad up to be able to exalt you in your rightful place. But the moment that you hijack the place that you think you should have, you get brought low. So you need to have a really good, healthy perspective of your opinions about yourself. To live in humility, I'm going to give some pointers now if you're living in humility. You ready? All right. Here we go. We take an honest assessment of ourselves. Honest, not deep dive, soul searching for all the junk that you've ever done or Do you know how to do that? If you don't, you need to talk to your mentor. You don't think too highly or lowly of yourself. There's that in between, and that's in recognition with what he's done in your life. You know, it's like this. I think for me personally, I have experienced such grace in my life, like, where I came from, where God brought me out of. And whenever I think on that, I don't, I think on that regularly. I regularly think on it. And, and whenever I say it, let me, let me, let me specify. I don't have, there's not any negative connotation to it. I have, I have been so completely healed that I look back at my life and all the junk I did and it's like it was literally somebody else. It's like I'm telling about somebody else doing something. I have no personal connection to it. But I love, I love to remember. Because that keeps me in a place where my heart is so grateful. And I don't be, I'm, I'm not entitled to nothing. Because I know what my life was like whenever I was in the driver's seat. And so... I know that some people, you know, I know that it, everybody's different. You know, I know some people, you know, they don't want to recite or think about what their past life was. But I think for me, that's just like, it was just such a, you know, just something I could have never done. And so then he's just so done something so great in my life that I just can't help but to remember it. I can't help but to 
think about where I was and what he's done for me. And then I look around at my people and I think about where they came from. I think about, man, I remember them when they first came and, and I remember where they are now. And it's just like, gosh, like it keeps my heart in a place of just tenderness. Like what the heck? Like, God, you're so crazy. Like it guards against being entitled. It guards against becoming spoiled. It, it, it guards against that because there's such a healthy perspective and such an awe of what he's done. That's humility. That's recognizing him at work in people's life. We consider others more than we consider ourselves. When you think about something you want, maybe you and a friend want the same thing and your friend gets it, you don't. What you do with that? Somebody gets a new car, you want a new car. Do you say, man, I'm so happy for you, but I really wanted one. It's real. Or would you give to somebody else the thing that you love to see them enjoy? There's humility. We trust easily. We obey daddy well, easily, quickly. In our relationships, we are willing to adjust ourselves to people and not be right fighters. It's a big one. So whenever you're having a conflict with somebody, are you able to sit there and listen to them and try and understand what they're saying, put yourself in their shoes, and take an honest assessment of what your role is in the conflict. Are you able to listen to somebody and hear what they're really saying, or the whole time they're talking, you're thinking about how you're going to fire back, because that's not true. I'm going to fire that one off, too. Nope, that wasn't right. What's your position when you're communicating with people. We value connection over being right. You can either be connected or you can be right. You get to choose. I want to say that if you're trying to have intimacy without humility, that's going to get really distorted. So in your relationships, if you're in a place where you're not being, if you're being the right fighter, and if you're trying to get all your needs met, and you're not being humble, then it's going to really affect intimacy. It's going to cause people to not want to let you see into them. It's a requirement. 
I already said we choose to be good listeners and communicators. You know, it's really it it's really big to dad that we are humble and meek. It's big to him. I'm going to read uh, the Sermon on the Mount, some of it, because I think it really paints it perfect. You know, Jesus, I love Jesus. I love that he gave us, he gave us everything we need to live this life well. So it says, one day Jesus saw a vast crowd of people gathering to hear him. So he went up to the slope of a hill and sat down. With his followers and disciples spread all over the hillside, Jesus began to teach them. What happiness comes to you when you feel your spiritual poverty? Where it says, what happiness comes to you? I love Brian Simmons. He says, it also means, or blessed are they. The Aramic word, to Wehan, means enriched, happy, fortunate, delighted, blissful, content, blessed. Those, think about it, you have that if you feel your spiritual poverty. That's humility. You are enriched, you're happy, you're fortunate, you're delighted, you're blissful, you're content, you're blessed. Our English word blessed can indeed fit here, but to Wehan, I'm sorry, that's so Oklahoman. You have to forgive me. You know what I'm, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. It implies more great happiness, prosperity, abundant goodness, and delight. The word bliss captures all of this meaning. To Wehan means to have the capacity to enjoy union and communion with God because the meaning of the word goes way beyond merely being blessed. This translation uses different phrases for each of the Beatitudes. I'm not going to read anymore. But it says, just remember, what happiness comes to you when you feel your spiritual poverty, for yours is the realm of of heaven's kingdom. It also means, or humble in spirit, or poor in spirit, which means to be humble and totally dependent upon God for everything. How much? Everything. It is synonymous with pious or saintly, not just in the sense of those who possess nothing. It could be translated, delighted are those who have surrendered completely to God and trust only in him. That's a really big promise. That's huge. That is, I mean, like, I think, I think that there's so much that we don't capture in our lives because we don't know the word. Like, like, I mean, it's just saying, just recognize that you're spiritually poor and you get all this goodness. But yet we want to act like we're something we're not. Anyway, we want other people to think we're something we're not. But none of us here, I know. It's okay. Just other people. Um, it says, what delight comes to you when you wait upon the Lord, for you will find what you long for. What blessing comes to you when gentleness lives in you, for you will inherit the earth. It also means meekness. It, uh, Jesus is saying that when you claim nothing is yours, everything will be given to you. The Aramic word, makika, <laughs> makika. Implies being both gentle and flexible. Come on, clerics. Get your hand up there. Flexible. Flexible, baby. Flex. Flex. Move. Move. Yep. Mm-hmm. But we'll inherit the earth. How enriched you are when you crave righteousness. 
for you will be satisfied. How blessed you are when you demonstrate tender mercy, for tender mercy will be demonstrated to you. It also means, or merciful to forgive. The Hebraic and Aramaic concept of mercy is that it comes from our innermost being. The root word for mercy is the root word for womb. It's not just, I forgive you. I forgive you. It's all good. It is a, it's a deep, it's a deep thing. Have y'all ever, have y'all ever experienced a pain so great that there is a deep level of forgiveness needed? And it's almost like whenever you go through that forgiveness, it's almost like it pulls this thing out of you. I mean, that is just crazy. But it's just, how does he do that? How does he do it? He's just so good, and then it's just gone. Like, why do we want to hold on to junk? It doesn't make any sense. What bliss you experience when your heart is pure, for then your eyes will open to see more and more of God. How do your eyes get pure? Practice humility. Be real. Be real with what you have going on. Be real with God. Be real with people. Allow the junk to be seen. Allow the things that you want to hide and protect. Allow that stuff to come out in the open and let God's fire fall on it. See, I think sometimes we're so afraid of people really knowing what's going on that we hide all these things. But it's crazy because I'm just saying people can feel it. It's like, you're not hiding anything. You're just, you're just like doing this song and dance for yourself. But actually, everybody around you can feel that it's not authentic. They can feel that something's not jiving. So I'm just saying, it's really simple. You don't have to do that. But you can do it if you want to. You can be in pride or you can be humble. But I'm hoping tonight that everybody's going to leave here and be like, okay, there's no way that I want to be in pride. Of course, I want... I want to be an open book before God and man. I just want it. I long for it because it will help me. It's good for me. Um, so with, with, with the joys of being humble, there's so many great gifts that we have. There's, there's so many things that were promised. We've already, he's already promised like this blissful life where every, we can run around with Skittles and everything's great. Everything's just, just throw Skittles and, you know, just be happy and everything's great. <laughs> so, so there's wisdom. We need wisdom. We need wisdom. We need us some wisdom. The gifts of God are received through the doorway of humility. So if you be trying to get something and you ain't got no humility, you ain't going to get it. You don't get it. Healthy relationships. Come on. Who wants healthy relationships? Humility causes your heart to want to obey. So if you struggle with wanting to obey, ask him. Say, Holy Spirit, where am I operating in pride? Where am I not completely being surrendered? And he'll help you. Humbleness, meekness, opens you up to the life of Jesus. He told me that, and it said the life of my son, but, you know, to the life of Jesus. 
Humility paves the road to my heart. While I resist the proud, I openly welcome the humble heart. The presence flows through humility. So if you want, if you want to be an outflow of his presence, humility, meekness, kindness, gentleness, that represents him well. There's a few costs, there's a few costs in, in not walking in humility. Something that was once great can turn really ugly real quick. So say that say that God blesses you with really good finances. We'll say finances. And then all of a sudden you get all weird about it and you start thinking you earned it. You did this. You did that. Then the very gift that God gave you, it turns south and it actually ends up being a detriment to you. Say relationships. Say God blesses you with really good relationships and then you dishonor them. Then, you know, then you find yourself alone and then that's worse. You know, say that, say that, God gives you entrance and promotion, and then all of a sudden you turn it into how you've earned it, and then you lord over other people. I see that happen a lot with people that get put in leadership that are not mature enough to handle it. Then it almost becomes something about them. Then it's like, okay, well, I'm, I'm good, and now I'm going to tell you how bad you are, and I'm going to let you know. It happens. We turn things into entitlement. We end up not trusting. How can we be obedient if we're not humble? And also leads to some yucky false humility. Ain't no good. That ain't no good. Say it ain't no good. That ain't no good. Okay, are y'all hanging on? Because I have a story. I have a story that I need to read, and then I have something we need to watch. So I'm trying to decide if I have time. Let me see. How much time do I have? Okay. Well, I feel like that this is such a great, This you just, I'll read it, and then you'll get it. I would have to explain it. So it says, this is about Hezekiah. After his acts of faithfulness towards God, Hezekiah faced the greatest challenge of his reign. That just first line is good right there because, you know, there's a lot of times like there's this faithfulness saying, so we think that we are owed something. But it's actually that God tests us so we can get some more stuff. Okay, I'm, hold on. I'm going to get this right. Sinecrib. Sinecrib. Sennacherib, that's it. Sennacherib, king of Assyria, invaded Judah and besieged the fortified cities intended to conquer them for himself. Realizing that Sinni would eventually reach Jerusalem, Hezekiah prepared the city for a long siege. First, the king's officers and warriors with a large number of the people dammed the water sources, both springs and rivers outside the city so that when the Assyrians came, they could not readily use the water sources. Second, Hezekiah 
reinforce the city by repairing the existing wall structure which surrounded the city, building towers for offensive position and erecting another wall far outside the main city wall. Between the two walls, he strengthened the city's Milo. Third, he cast new weapons and shields in abundance. Finally, he appointed the military leaders over the people and commissioned them at the city gate. Hezekiah said, we can be strong and courageous because of the one who fights with us. Don't be discouraged or fearful of the Assyrian king and the multitude of his people. For greatness is with us more than with them. Sinai will fight with an arm of flesh and bone, but we will fight with the eternal God's help and his warfare. That sounds like a humble heart. The people were strengthened by the word of Hezi king of Judah, while Sinai with his forces was busy besieging Lashish. In a bloody battle, the king of Assyria sent messengers to, to Jerusalem to persuade Hezekiah and all the Judites to surrender. This, is, this was his message. Why are you remaining in Jerusalem when you know I'm about to come destroy your city? What could you possibly be trusting that could save you from my army? Hezekiah must be entertaining you with lies, telling you how the eternal God will save you from my conquest. If you listen to him, we will certainly conquer you while you die of hunger and thirst inside those walls. Sinai's message. Hezekiah removed his high places and altars from all over the country, forcing everyone to come to Jerusalem to worship. Haven't you heard how my empire's army has destroyed peoples and nations for years? We even conquered your own brothers in the northern kingdom. Where were their gods when their nations needed defending? Where will your true God be when you were being tortured and murdered? Stop listening and being deceived by Hezekiah. He is only giving you false hope. No God has ever rescued his people from me or my royal fathers before me. So what makes you think your God will? Sinai's servant continued blaspheming Hezekiah and the eternal God. The Assyrian king himself wrote additional letters insulting the eternal God of Israel, reminding the people that no God had ever saved his people from the Assyrians and Israel's God couldn't either. Furthermore, Sinai wrote, that God was a creation of humans, just as all the other pagan gods are. Talk about pride. These letters were shouted in the common Judite language of Hebrew as the people of Jerusalem stood on the city wall listening. The messengers thought their words would terrify and disturb the people into surrendering the city. But King Hezekiah and Isaiah the prophet, son of Amoz, were not threatened by the Assyrians' words. They relied on their God and called to heaven to help. The eternal responded quickly. This is somebody that walked humbly with God. Sending a heavenly messenger to slaughter every Assyrian soldier, commander and soldier, an officer, I'm sorry. Having been decidedly defeated by the very God he had taunted, Sinai in shame journeyed back to Assyria in the security of his own God's temple. Sinai was stabbed to death by his own children. 
In this decisive way, the Eternal saved Hezekiah and Jerusalem from Sini's attempted conquest and any other nation's imperial intentions. So God provided for his people by those around Judah. Many brought gifts to the Eternal and Hezekiah in Jerusalem so that other nations recognized the king's authority. I'm not done, but that's pretty amazing. A man that chose to live humbly before God and trust him with everything. I mean, like, think of this. You've got these people shouting all this stuff, trying to scare the people. And he didn't defend. He waited on God. He didn't, he didn't defend himself. He waited for God to do something. But there's an asterisk. Hold up. Hezekiah became proud and neglected to appreciate the gifts he had received. So the eternal was angry with him and all of Jerusalem and Judah. When Hezekiah became deathly ill, he realized what he had done wrong. He humbled himself and prayed to the eternal who answered the prayer and healed him as a sign. The people of Jerusalem and Judah also humbled themselves so that he was no longer angry with his people during Hezekiah's days. In fact, the true God blessed them with great wealth and honor. Hezekiah filled his treasures with silver, gold, gems, spices, shields, and other valuables. He filled his storehouse with grain, wine, and oil. His stables contained all kinds of cattle and flocks. Then Hezekiah built more cities and acquired more flocks and herds. He also dammed the river and diverted its waters to the west side of Jerusalem. Hezekiah was successful at all his endeavors. Later, when the rulers of Babylon sent diplomats to learn and brought the miraculous sign given at Hezekiah's healing when the sun moved backwards, the true God left Hezekiah and tested the king's heart and devotion to him. Anyway, it goes on. But that's a man that he learned. He learned what entitlement and pride got him. I mean, that's pretty crazy for you to experience God's protection like that. And then him give you all these gifts. And then you get prideful about it. That's a really good warning for us. It's a really good warning for us. But I love that he, he blessed them with so much more just in his goodness. That's his character. It's like you're going to go off and do something stupid. Just, just humbly come and repent. Just do that. And then I'm going to give you all this other goodness. Okay, this is my last part. Humility is also going to position me to trust the Lord. And that's, this is probably the biggest one is, ah, it's hard to say it's the biggest one. This is another one. This is just another key here where, where the humility piece allows me to see past my moment and to see the, 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 the long-term game plan of what it is we're building here. And so, so when I, when I, don't overemphasize myself 
I need a partner. You know, I need help. I, you know, I have a, a three-pronged prayer approach. Let me, let me hear your voice. Let me see what you're doing. Please help me. This is my prayer approach. Show me, tell me, help me. Because the first, don't, first two don't work. Help me. And it does. It, it, he, I live in a place. That's, that's me humbling myself because I don't know. I don't know what to do next. I don't know where this is going. I, I don't know how it's going to work. I, I've, I've relied on my strength so many times. I should have learned by now. And I still have to get scared before I go, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. What was I thinking? Uh, not as often anymore, but I'm getting older. I ain't got the strength to keep getting back up. I'm like, okay, before I fall down, please help me. See, when, when, I, when I'm not trusting him, I'm running around. I'm looking for control. I'm looking for how I can orchestrate the environment to protect myself, to serve myself. But in, in humility, bringing it back to that place to where I'm, I'm paying attention to how my approach, how my decisions, how my character is affecting my dependence and, and his leadership in my life. If, if I'm able to do that, I can, I, can, I can see past where I'm standing, knowing that he's got this all worked out. In this case, I usually do look back and I see how many times he has worked it out, which is every time. Every time he has worked it out. So that, that's, I don't have any other perfect relationships like that. And when I realize I'm standing on this line of perfection, it gives me hope. My humility gives me hope to know that God's got this. He's got my, my future. He's got my situation. He's got the injustice that I'm facing. He's got the hurt and the pain that I'm, that I'm in. He's got it. He's, he's got it. So I don't have to be my own defender, which means I don't have to seek vengeance to protect myself. In my humility, I can look to the judge and I can say, here's my case. I trust you to handle my case. I know that you're better at this than I am. It may be because I'm 50-something now. Maybe that's why I know. But I think it's just coming from the grace. It's coming from the grace to go, okay, you have this. I don't know how this is going to work out. Actually, it doesn't work out in my calculations. In my calculations, this is horrible. It ends horrible. But I trust you. I'm backing away from manipulating this situation, and I'm only going to do what I, know to, what I know a humble man does. That is what I will be doing because I trust you. Because I can trust you.
I just want to say what he, I just want to speak some words over you. I think that, I think at the end of the day, I think it is trusting him. He's after our hearts. He's after every doorway, every corridor. He's after every crevice. He wants every part of us, and he's not afraid of what he sees because he already made a way for it. Isaiah 57, 15 says, For this is what the high and majestic one says, the one who fills the eternal realm with glory, whose name is holy. I dwell in high and holy places, but also with the bruised and lowly in spirit. Those who are humble and quick to repent, I dwell with them to revive the spirit of the humble, to revive the heart of those who are broken over their sin. For those that are struggling to really trust God fully to let go, I want you to know that his hand is outstretched to you, and he wants to teach you how trustworthy he is. He gave me a little word for you. It just says, I long to comfort you in my love. I long to bring you in close and heal the places in your heart brought on by the enemy. I am gentle and kind. I always provide a place before my face to enter this place with me. Just recognize your need of me. Position your heart to receive. It's in the posturing of your heart you find the comfort only I can bring. In your places of humility, I will write a love song. In your places of humility, I will cause you to stand above it all. In your choosing to take the lowly road, I can give you what is mine. Don't resist the gentleness in my leading. Don't resist my spirit calling to you. Resistance will cause you to not recognize the gentlest of touches. If you choose to come into my presence in humility, you will find the Father's embrace. The way you come is by knowing what I have provided for you. It's acknowledging the blood of my Son. It's not reciting all the wrongs you've done. Although that may be a necessity, but there's another way to see. When you come to me, come as the accepted beloved. Come to me with full acceptance. In that place, that's the place you'll find cleansing from your own mistakes. In this place, filling my embrace, I will care for you tenderly. This is what you need. This is your greatest desire. It's not in being right. It's not in making your case. It's me you need. So come to me and leave it behind. Leave behind all the ways you protect yourself. I see them all and I long to help you let go. I long to teach you to depend on me. I long to have the more of you. So just pray over us. So daddy. I just pray over your people tonight. I pray where 
people just need to know the love and the acceptance that's found in your presence. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would just draw them in close. And Daddy, I pray that you would do a deep work in our hearts that we would let go of all forms of pride, the subtle ones, the ones that are more apparent. Teach us to walk the way Jesus walked. Teach us. We long to be your good representatives. So Holy Spirit, we just say that we want to let go of pride. If If that's you, you just tell him in your own words. We just choose to take the humble path. So we thank you, sweet Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this message from One Life OK. For more information, please visit us at onelifeok.com.